up world. Surpassed first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show, we are going to take a look around at the Western Conference after the free agency dust has settled. It's obviously not totally over, but we are at the point in the offseason when things are slowing down. Most of the, pretty much everyone's used up their cap space that's going to use it. Uh, most of the big names are signed. There's still some deals left to be made, like for your Portland Trailblazers, for sure, are still in the deals left to be made type of camp. But for the most part, teams have taken shape for, for next year. Bar a run of trades here over the next six weeks or so. So what I want to do in today's show is I want to run through the top 10 teams in the West, the like the potential playoff type teams in the West and, and review what they did this offseason, kind of figure out where the Blazers stack up. Uh, I've been I've said this a bunch and I'll say it again up top and I'll probably say it later in the show too, that I think the Blazers are, didn't get like worse. Um, there's probably a reasonable, uh, it's reasonable to think the Blazers will be better next season, not like championship level better, but you know, uh, coaching staff and maybe we'll connect with this team better, uh, slightly better health and like maybe a little bit better, just overall defensive personnel would sort of push them a little bit further. Maybe not, a, maybe not a ton better, maybe a couple wins better. Uh, you know, maybe, Maybe about the same. This isn't me trying to sell you on Anthony Dolliver and Mario Azonia, although it does sort of feel that way. But I don't think the Blazers are going to be, you know, markedly markedly worse. Uh, I think there's a, there's a reason to think that they're uh, about at the same level as they were last season. The question is, did the moves around the rest of the league impact them? Are they still, you know, a top eight type team? Are they still a competing for a home court advantage type team? You know, where do they stack up in the West after everyone else has made their moves? So we're going to run through this in uh, in order of standings last year. So we'll start at the top of the standings and kind of work our way down. So, you know, who finished number one in the West last year. The Utah Jazz. What did the Jazz do this summer? Well, they re-signed Mike Conley. And in free agency, they added Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside. More on him in a moment. They also traded for Eric Paschal from the uh, from the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and, to, and to facilitate those moves, they lost Derek Favors. They basically salary dumped Derek Favors, sending him to Oklahoma City during the draft. Got out from under the $20 million and, and, and $10 million a year for the two, next two seasons, basically owed to Derek Favors because he was not worth it at the price. Had to give up a draft pick for their troubles. And they lost George Niang. They replaced George Niang with Rudy Gay, fairly fairly similar styles of players, although Gay obviously has a much shinier resume, probably just a straight-up better basketball player, although their graphs are heading in the other, in opposite directions. And then they replaced Derek Favors with Hassan Whiteside, who said in his introductory interview uh, with the media there in Salt Lake City, I guess it's a, it's a digital interview, so not locally, with jazz media, wherever they might be, that he had interest from the Portland Trailblazers, but turned them down. And to that, I say, um, I think it's good that the Blazers didn't add Whiteside back. I think Cody Zeller's just straight up better than him. I'd love to know the order of operations for when the Blazers had interest in Whiteside, uh, what they were, you know, what they were cooking up that would have made them land on Whiteside. Uh, Cody Zeller, obviously not as, um, he doesn't have the durability that Hassan Whiteside has had, but I think he's just a, I think he's just better at basketball. And if he is, if he does stay on the court, uh, if you're choosing between Zeller at the minimum and Whiteside at the minimum, you're, you're better off with Cody Zeller. I, I, I feel pretty strongly about that. Whiteside, uh, production monster, but um, I'm not a fan. So, 
I don't think Utah got appreciably worse or appreciably better. I think like this is going to kind of a theme for a lot of teams in the West, except for that one team that's sort of the headliner at Staples Center is that like they're kind of running it back. Uh, you know, they had to clear some space to make sure that they could re-sign Conley. I think adding Rudy Gay is as has some value to them, adds a little bit of uh, another guy who can go score. I still don't think they got... You know, there was sort of uh, what got them in the playoffs was just a lack of a perimeter defense to really hold up in front of Rudy Gobert and a lot of relying on Gobert. But they're going to be able to do what they do. Hassan Whiteside will can play drop coverage. I mean, not even close to Gobert's level, but he can like they can keep their identity all the time. Uh, I think their inability to go small cost them a little bit, and I don't think they've addressed that issue necessarily. But the Jazz are still going to be. They were really good last season, and if Mike Conley and, and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are healthy, they're going to be really good again. I don't think they'd. You know, they might not win the West but I don't think they drop too far, even if they kind of regress a little bit on the um, all-time great three-point shooting season they had during the regular season last year. Second in the West last season was the Phoenix Suns. And the Phoenix Suns, much like many teams on this list we're going to talk about, they're pretty much running it back after making the NBA Finals. CP3 opted out of a $44 million player option only to come back on four for $120 million. Get the bag Christopher Emmanuel Paul, my goodness. I mean, Hall of Famer, all-time great. Uh, the back half of that contract is going to be real pricey for a 40-year-old Chris Paul. They also brought back Chris Paul's backup. I was going to call him his understudy, but I don't know. Campaign might have already done his studies. Three for 19 for Cameron Payne. I think that was kind of a cheaper deal than I would have guessed that campaign, than campaign would have got on the open market. But good deal for the Suns. Campaign has some has some real value. They also brought back Abdel Nader on a minimum contract. Uh a minor note, but he's pretty good. The the for for like a minimum uh, forward, uh, Nader can Nader can help. I like him. Uh, they did also trade for Landry Shamit, uh, sending out Javon Carter, and they also lost Tory Craig. Let him walk in free agency. Uh, I, I think Shamit is uh, adds another shooter, which will which can only help. You can always have always find room for more shooting. The, you know the Suns are going to do what they do. Um, they've they've. They took a lot of different shapes, and I don't think they lost anyone key from their rotation. Uh, it's a it to be seen whether like Frank Kaminsky comes back or whatever. But uh, they've, you know, this is this team again, like the Jazz. Like they were good last year. Uh, the the Suns obviously were super healthy and all those things. But you know, you you can assume that CP will be close to what he was. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton probably are going to be better than they were last season. Young guys tend to improve. Um, you know, we'll see what what type of Cameron Payne shows up, but they. You you know Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, young guys that can young guys that can improve alongside of CP. So if he takes a step back, the the Suns uh, might not overall. Although he's so so key to what they do, I think Phoenix can be right there, one of the best teams in the West yet again. I don't like they just didn't not enough changed in Phoenix for me to think that they're going to be like way worse. Finishing third in the West last season was the Denver Nuggets, and y'all. They brought the band back together. They let go of Paul Millsap. That was their big loss. But Austin Rivers is back. Will Barton is back. Jamichael Green is back. And they signed uh, Jeff Green to replace the the Paul Millsap minutes. Jeff Green was really good last year. It was like a small ball 4-5 guarding like quality wings for the Nets last year. Like he's a nice, he's a nice little pickup for, um, for Denver. I think, I think he'll help. And on like a sort of a low minute, low, low minute, low, low ask role, it'll be useful. The question for Denver is just, when does Jamal Murray get, get back? Um, you know, how many months after, um, the ACL injury is like, is it going to be before Jamal Murray's back? And when he's back, what does he look like? I mean, 
That's the question. I think the Nuggets are going to be a little bit worse because they're missing their second best player. Like, I mean, that's that it is what it is when they're healthy and, and should should everyone stay healthy and Jamal Murray comes back fine. And I think there's um, there's a lot of evidence that says guys, you know, at least in recent history, ACL injuries, guys come back better than they ever have for sure because of our sports science world. Like Denver's going to be really good again. It's just when will that happen? I think they're going to be a little bit worse to start the season just because of of the their depth and what they need, what they, you know, rely on Murray to do so much. Uh, but when they get rolling, like if they get rolling in March, that's a really good, like, you know, dark horse championship type team again because um they got they're good Jokic and Murray is a really good group and they've got good role players around them and whatever happens with Michael Porter Jr. is going to sort of um will determine their ceiling he he might end up being a very very good basketball player those are your top three teams in the West. I think Phoenix and uh, Phoenix and Utah are going to be right there. I think Denver is may, may take a step back, but other than other than that, the top of the West still looks looks solid. And we're going to look at the bottom half of the West playoff standings, bottom two thirds of the West playoff standings when we get back in the second segment. But first, let's talk about Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket sized guide that helped you sleep or focus or just be a little bit better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditation in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents... Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Plus, Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you, on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. It's the best deal offered right now. Headspace.com slash locked on NBA. Check it out. Episodes also brought to you by Built Bar, just the best tasting protein bar that there is. They're not messing around, they're just making delicious protein bars with wonderful flavors like double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. But not only are there flavors for everyone's palate, they're also healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and no more than five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. What more could you want? Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. So with free agency winding down, we are taking a look at the Western Conference playoff teams. Who got better? Who got worse? And where did the Blazers stack up? We've rolled through Utah, Phoenix, and Denver. Now we're moving on to the team that finished fourth in the West last year, the Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard opted out of his contract. Then he re-signed on a four-year deal. There's some speculation that Kawhi Leonard might take a one plus one, but he also might miss the whole season with an ACL. 
tear. So there would this wasn't a bet on yourself type season. Although Kawhi Leonard is so good, he would have got the max. He could have sat out a year and got an even bigger max contract. He's um, stars get paid in this league, and Kawhi Leonard has has earned that right to be treated like a star. But he resigned on a four year deal, coming back a long term deal to stay uh, in Clipperland. That means him and Paul George are there for a while, or at least under contract for a while. Things can change for sure. But the Clippers also brought back more of their core that made the Western Conference Finals the most successful Clipper team in franchise history. Bringing back Reggie Jackson, who was so key in their playoff run, and bringing back Nicholas Batum, who the who the Blazers were rumored to have interest in, but then chose to return to the Clippers. Uh, Batum was really crucial to both during the regular season as 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 a starter and then as a bench as as a, coming off the bench, depending on uh, what point in the season it was. He kind of it started out as a starter, and then when it worked out better with Marcus Morris in the starting lineup, and Batum decided to stay on the bench. But he was crucial. He was crucial, and he was crucial in the playoffs, allowed them to go small, play a bunch of different positions. Uh, Batum is, is, has been, was really valuable for him, and, and he you know decided to come back on a 1-plus-1 one and rejoin the Clippers. He will have a chance to enter free agency yet again, so maybe the Blazers can, maybe the Blazers can almost sign Nick Batum again next summer. Clips also signed Justice Winslow. Uh, Justice Winslow, when he was a member of Miami Heat, I thought he was going to be really, really, really good. But uh, injuries and maybe just lack of development, and uh, you know maybe those two things are related. Uh, that's he's he just hasn't he just hasn't worked out for him, and his lack of shooting has really limited his 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 like sort of what he can be. He's he's big and he can handle and pass, but if you can't shoot, it's hard to get space to get clean looks. Um, it's just how the league works now, and Justice Winslow just hasn't, that skill hasn't popped for him. But he'll help, you know, 6'6", six, six, a physical wing who can play at least like some minutes, and, and the the... The Clippers, you know, they're going to need him early in the season, and they might need him all season if Kawhi doesn't play. But like their their path to a championship is just all about when and what Kawhi is when he gets back. Like if he's healthy and he can go, and, and he's ready for the playoffs, they're going to be you know right there, assuming that they they maintain their they maintain their sort of playoff level. But this is a team that's like. They're pretty talented, but the idea that they're going to finish like top four in the crowded Western Conference without Kawhi all year, zero minutes of Kawhi seems unlikely to me. I think the Clippers take a step back. Like I just think health-wise, the same with the Nuggets. Like you're missing, um, you know, in this case, your best player for, you know, potentially 80 games, 80 plus games, all 82. Like that's, that becomes, that's a challenge. If if Kawhi comes back, can come back a little earlier and if, and and what he looks like then, like, then we can start talking about this team. Fully healthy, this is a championship-level team. Uh, you know, one of the four or five teams in the West that can truly say that they could win a championship uh, without that health. They're not close. They're they're just a they're a tough out. They're going to be still they're still really good, and we'll get to see probably Paul George at his best. But I think they're going to be a little bit worse. Finishing in fifth place last season was your Dallas Mavericks who just re-signed Luka to a, a five-year, $207 million max extension. Uh, obviously, doesn't kick in right away, but uh, Luka locked in to stay with the Mavs for a long time. They also re-signed Tim Hardaway Jr., four for 74. Uh, you know, that's that was the price for shooting guards. It was the, it was the price that... That basically Evan Fournier and Gary Trent Jr. and Norman Powell all got, and uh, and Tim Hardaway Jr. got that same deal. Mavs also upgraded their wing core, adding former University of North Carolina Tar Heel great Reggie Bullock. They also added Sterling Brown, who uh, started his career with the Milwaukee Bucks and last year played for the Houston Rockets and figures to be part of their rotation on most nights, although I don't think it's a guarantee that he plays. 
They did get rid of Josh Richardson, sending him to uh, the Boston Celtics. Basically a salary dump. Just He didn't work out. The Seth Curry swap for Josh Richardson with Philly did not work. Richardson was just, he just wasn't good in Dallas. And they've, they've gone in another direction with, with Reggie Bullock. Uh, this is, you know, like the other teams, this is, this is a team that kind of, um, you know, maybe you thought there was a bigger move and there's still like, there's other shoes to drop. Like they might add Goran Dragic. It's like the big name out there. So I, at like, as of today, I don't think Dallas is like appreciably better. You know, they, they had one of the worst, um, COVID outbreaks of any team in the league last year, other than the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they, um, you know, they just, they basically had six weeks of not having all of their guys there and stuff like that. And they still clawed to finish fifth in the West. Like you assume with like just a little bit without as much, um, you know, health challenges, assuming that people stay relative with relative health. Like this team's like could be a little bit better wins wise. Uh, I don't think their roster is much better. Like I think I've, I think Reggie Bullock might be like a sort of a good role player upgrade over what Josh Richardson is because he 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 knows what he does a little bit uh, a little bit clearer than what Jay Rich tries to figure out. But like I don't I don't think the Mavs are appreciably better. I think they're right back here in that sort of four or five range in the West again. I kind of think that's that's who this group is. Obviously, uh, when you have Luca, you have a chance to be really really good because he's really really good. But uh, they're a they're a second star away from being like a true true championship level team. Now they're just they're good. They're one of the good teams and I think they didn't do anything this summer to jeopardize that Portland finished sixth last year you know what they did but we'll go real quick uh like I said at the top of the show I don't think I don't think Blazers got worse hard to say they got better they got a little bit different back after their lineup uh re-signed Norman Powell and then three minimum deals for Cody Zeller Tony Snell and uh Ben McLemore also Derek Jones Jr. not surprisingly opted into his deal so the Blazers have back, you know, largely the same team as last year, minus Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor, add in Tony Snell and Cody Zeller. I, I think they're about the same. Like, I think they'll miss some of sort of the random offense from Carmelo Anthony, but uh, you assume that sort of Norm can step into that role and Anthony Simons and Azir Little will improve. Like, it's, I, the Blazers aren't any worse than they were, I don't think, but the idea that they got better seems far-fetched. They got, they got, they got different and probably are about the same level of talent. They, they, like many other teams in the West, said, we're going to run it back. Feels a little bit worse here than maybe in other situations because of like the mandate from the star player that says, please don't run it back. That's not good enough. And then the, uh, the front office saying, nah, what if we run it back? So yeah, I think the Blazers, again, like depending on how far the Clippers and the Nuggets fall, like I think the Blazers are right here again. They're somewhere in that like four through nine range in the West. And it was very tight last year, you know, like, uh, five, six, seven was with, you know, was I decided on the final day of the regular season. So the idea that the Blazers would drop all the way down to eighth doesn't seem that crazy. But, um, I, I think the Blazers are going to be right back in the thick of this. And when you kind of look at the other moves that some, you know, their other counterparts have made you, you realize that, um, you know, not, no team took a massive jump. Except for the next team we're going to talk about, the Los Angeles Lakers, the only team in the West to go full makeover. And boy, howdy, was it a dramatic one. So let's talk about that to lead off the third segment. Like, yo, <laughs> yo, the Lakers are going to look different. Are they going to be better? Let's let's discuss it. But before we discuss that, let me tell you about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. 
baseball season in full swing, and you can track all of that action and bet online. But also, we're back from the Olympics, which means the WNBA regular season is about to wrap up. You can still make wagers on the NBA's offseason. There's also soccer here and abroad. There's UFC and MMA action. If If there are sports transactions, sports games, sports, anything you want to get in on, there's one place to do it. That's betonline.ag. So head on over to their website. Use the promo code LOCKEDON when you're making your first deposit and you will get a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. Looking at the moves in the West, where the Blazers stack up as free agency starts to wind down. We've worked our way through the first six teams in the West. Now let's look at what happened with the rest of the playoff hopefuls and playoff teams from last season, starting with the team that underwent the most significant changes this offseason. The Los Angeles Lakers, after finishing seventh in the West, blew that thing up, made a dramatic change, a full overhaul in a kind of a way that only the Lakers can do because they ended up getting a bunch of good players on cheap deals at the end of the overhaul. But the big thing they did was they they traded for Russell Westbrook sending, as a part of a larger five-team deal, but for their troubles, they sent Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell, and Kyle Kuzma to the Washington Wizards. They got Russell Westbrook back in return. Then they just went off and signed a bunch of adults. Signed Wayne Ellington. Brought back Dwight Howard for his third stint with the Lakers. Welcome home, Dwight. They added Trevor Reza and Carmelo Anthony. Trevor Reza, an L.A. native. And a, a pal of, of Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony. His buddies on the, on the team. Carmelo finally joins LeBron some seven or so years after he was first courted by the Lakers in the uh, summer of 2014. They added Kent Bazemore uh, to give them some some help in shooting on the wing. They got Malik Monk on a really on a, on a relatively cheap two year deal. They added Kendrick Nunn, the former point guard with the Miami Heat. Uh, and they re-signed their one restricted free agent that they chose to, Taylor Horton Tucker. They let Alex Caruso walk. Caruso was a really big part of their defensive identity last year. He's one of the better defensive guards in the league. I thought he could have been an all-defense type of performer last year. He was really, really good. And the, re- and then the Lakers were still, you know, kind of good, even with when they lost uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron towards the end of the season. Because they were just a really good defensive team. I think they're going to be a lot worse on defense this year. Uh, Kyle Kuzma took big steps on defense last year. And they lost their two best perimeter defenders in Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Alex Caruso. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, for, for all of his flaws last year. And he was not good for the Lakers. He was He's a better defender um, than he probably gets credit for. Like, he's a, he can be a pest defensively. And... and, and that pest with the length that the, the Lakers had behind him, like that's real value. Uh, Russell Westbrook isn't that. He can be disruptive, but he doesn't always stay in scheme and he kind of falls asleep defensively when he's not like in the action. He's not a great sort of like elite help defender or anything. Um, you know, Wayne Ellington is is not a defender. He's a shooter. Bazemore and Ariza are older, like defensive whatever um, identities, defensive reputations, but they're a little bit older. Carmelo Anthony's just a scorer. Kendrick Nunn, not a good defensive player, although I have weirdly seen people talk about his good defense. Um, I don't, that's, not, that's not something I'm aware of. I know that Miami was a good defensive team. 
I'm not I'm not sure Kendrick Nunn was part of that. Uh, I think he was um, he benefited from it, but I'm not sure he was part of that. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, you know, a 20 year old who could become a good defensive player, but I the idea that he is one right now seems a little bit off. Um, he's long and athletic. Um, he he could get there, and he might get there this year, but I I think he wasn't quite there last year. Anthony Davis really good. LeBron James as a freelancer, like it's, if you let him be that help help helper, he's still elite. Great defensive instincts, great hands, all those things. Um, he doesn't always he doesn't always bring it in the regular season defensively. Uh, there was some particularly during his second stint in Cleveland, LeBron kind of coasted in the regular season. So we'll see what we get out of him in age, at the age 37 season. But I think this team's good. Like, I know there's some concern, and I've seen even people I think are smart call the Lakers losers in free agency, but I, I think this team's good. Like, I know Russell Westbrook has his flaws, but um, his his upside and ability to sort of just, like, take over games occasionally, like he did in the second half of the season with the Wizards when when they got rolling, like, that still has real value. Uh, I think this is a championship-level team. Like, I, I really do. I think they could win the West and win and win the championship with, with the talent they have. It's a big if if AD and LeBron stay healthy. Uh, it's always been the thing with Anthony Davis and LeBron is 37, and at some point, father time wins, and the only you know the last three of the last two of the last three seasons LeBron has dealt with injuries and the year that he didn't he got a four-month break for COVID um so I mean I, I think this really comes to health you know Russell has had his own has his own health issues too so um it's it's if they can stay healthy I think it's a championship level team like I think the Lakers got better I think you could say like they're going to take a step back on defense they're maybe not going to be the best defense in the league like they were all of last season uh you know, Marcus All is not what he once was. Uh, he's definitely slowed down a bunch. He looked he looked old and slow in the playoffs. I think he was their worst center. Uh, that's behind uh, Montrezl Harrell and Andre Drummond, who I didn't mention. Also, uh, the Lakers did not bring back. He headed to Philly. Um, like I, I think they're going to be worse on defense, but. I, I think the shooting of Kendrick of Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk. I think um, I think the length and and just like you know, whatever role player expertise without with like in small roles for Kent Bazemore and Trevor Reese's, it will help. Um, you know, I think Wayne Ellington can really shoot it. He'll, he'll help. You can put lineups, you can put different kind of looking lineups out there. Um, you can put good lineups without LeBron James on the floor, I think, which will be really key for the Lakers. To me, that's the big difference. Like you could have Russell Westbrook and shooters out there and you'll be pretty good in a way that in the past seasons, if LeBron sat, that team might suck for a little bit. Um, and I don't think they're going to have that problem this year. Like I think the Lakers are, I think it's a championship level team. Uh, I, I, I hear the criticism, understand them. I still think it's a championship level team. Finishing eighth place last year, as we move on from the Lakers, Memphis Grizzlies, uh, they traded Jonas Valanciunas for Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe. They also traded Grayson Allen for Sam Merrill of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I, I think I like the the Grizzlies core. They're a really fun watch. Like I'm still gonna there's still gonna be a heavy league pass team for me for sure. But I think they're a little bit worse. Like I think Jonas Valanciunas might have been their best player last season, with all due respect to um to John Morant, who I love, uh, like Jonas was just a good defender, um, you know, kind of old school, as old school as they come in sort of the modern NBA of like a post scorer, but the offensive rebounding, sort of like defensive acumen, I think that, I think that helps. Like I, I, he's, you know, his ability to just score easy buckets, get extra possessions and play a little bit defense. Like I think they'll miss that. Um, I'm not a big Steven Adams guy. I think Eric Bledsoe is actively bad. Um, uh, 
Ekblad was a couple years removed from being like all defense performer, um, but he's just he was really bad in New Orleans last year. So we'll see see what he has uh, left in left in the tank there. I think the Grizzlies are worse. Like I think they're worse. Um, I, I I think they're of the teams that made the playoffs last year. I think they are most likely to drop out. Finishing in ninth last season was the Golden State Warriors. Uh, the Warriors didn't, didn't I, like most notably, didn't make a big trade, right? They didn't, they didn't get to use their two draft picks to swing for a big trade and swing for a star. I mean, stay tuned. They might still end up with Ben Simmons at some point, the way things work here. But they got Jonathan Kuminga and Moses Moody. I haven't really talked about rookies at all. Um, this, it, you know, this is kind of a free agency roundup, not a draft roundup. But like, you know, adding two lottery picks matters because that means that they they just have a, a bunch of young players on this roster. They re-signed Steph Curry to another extension, four for two fifteen. First player in NBA history to sign two hundred million two two hundred million dollar deals. Good for Steph, an all time great. Uh, he's committed. Uh, they signed Nemanja Belitsa and Otto Porter Jr. to minimum deals. They lost Kelly Oubre and Kent Bazemore. Uh, Bazemore uh, headed to the Lakers, as I just mentioned. And Andre Iguodala came back on a minimum deal. Um, this team's going to be good again. It's it sounds like Clay Thompson might not be available till like Christmas or January, like December January type of timeline for Clay to come back. Uh, and he you know hasn't basically going to miss almost three full years of basketball. Um, since since 2019 so uh you know two and a half two and a half full calendars calendar years uh it's a long time it's a long it's a long it's a lot of basketball to miss like 30 months is a long time so like if if you expect clay to come back like close to what he was or close to what like 80 percent of what he was they're gonna be really good again um are they a championship level team i don't know i think they're a really good playoff team if clay's healthy uh you know, Andre Godal is 37. He's not what he was when he was there at 33. Uh, they're just, everyone is a little bit older and one of their key parts is coming off two major, major injuries. Uh, so we'll just see. Like, I think this team is, I think the Warriors are going to be back in the playoffs next year and they're going to be uh, tough. But uh, I don't, like the idea that they have like a championship window, it really rests on how much you believe, how good you think Steph Curry is. And I think he's damn good. But I don't think this is a championship level team. Like I think there's four teams that could conceivably win the win the West, make the finals. Uh, I guess you, five with Utah, Utah, Phoenix, a healthy Denver, and the two LA teams. I, I'm not a believer in Dallas yet. I'm not I'm not a believer in Portland as being a team that could crack through and make the finals. And I don't I don't see the Warriors as that just yet. I think I think they're a tier below. I do think that Dallas, Golden State. Portland tier that's that's a really good those are those are solid teams with a bunch of talent that I don't think can get to the NBA finals out of a crowded west like that's a brutal bottom half of the west playoff bracket that's I think that kind of illustrates like the real challenges for how far the Blazers have to go and why like Cody Zeller and Tony Snell aren't exactly the guys who I'm like yeah they did it uh, looking at the other West like playoff teams that could could conceivably be in the playoffs or the play-in game for sure, uh, I think the Pelicans got a little bit worse, and I think the Spurs signed the two worst contracts of the summer. So let's just go ahead and roast those dudes before we get out of here. The San Antonio Spurs signed Zach Collins to a three-year, twenty-two million dollar deal. I like Zach Collins. I like Zach Collins the person. I was a fan of Zach Collins the player. Um, like he's a good dude. He also hasn't played basketball. He's played 11 games in the last two seasons. I just, I, who were they bidding against to give him three for 22? Like, good for Zach. Get the bag. You know, I'm, I'm rooting for labor here. Uh, get that money. I'm happy for you, Zach Collins. But like, what the hell? 
<laughs> um, truly puzzling, truly puzzling. Did not see that coming at all. Um, good for Zach Collins. Do not get it for the Spurs. The Spurs also signed Doug McDermott to a three-year $41 million deal, a little over $41 million. Uh, first report at 42, but the number I've seen since is 41.2 million. Um, cool. <laughs> Doug McDermott like kind of found himself last year uh, with the Pacers and he kind of is their sort of like Rudy Gay replacement, but you're just, you're just giving him a whole, you know, you're giving him 13 plus million dollars a season. Um, I, I see him as like a solid backup. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get the Doug McDermott deal. I don't get the Zach Collins deal. Um, they lost, you know, got DeMar DeRozan left. The Spurs are not a playoff team. They're not a playing team. This is a team on the path to kind of figure out which young guys are good and then go from there. Uh, it, you know, they had a 25, 30 year run, 20, you know, to near, nearly three decade run as being the most consistent team in professional sports. They're not that anymore. And the last team that I think like could conceivably make this like push with all due respect to the Sacramento Kings, uh, that, that could like conceivably make a real push. The Kings could make the play in round for sure. But like, I don't think they're, I don't see them as, as one of the top eight teams in the West, but I think the Pelicans like just with Zion alone are like belong in the conversation, but they got, I think they got a little bit worse. Um, you know, a sign and trade that they, they decided to move on from Lonzo Ball, didn't want to pay him. And that's fine. They ended up with Thomas Adoransky, who I like, but is, um, you know, is not probably a, a, he might start for them, but only because of like the way the roster works um, more on that in a moment, but he's not a starting level uh, point guard in the league. Uh, he can, you know, he can handle and, and, um, and he can play off the ball too. Like he can play, you can put him as like your th- a two or a three, like he can play any of those positions and be functional. I like him as a player, just like he's not a starting point guard in the league or he's not a starter at any of those spots really in the league they also added Garrett Temple a a vet who I like but um just kind of never he he was never as impactful as I thought he would be with the Bulls last year but I I I like both Sato and and uh GT like I think those are both I think they're both solid players they also uh traded for Jonas Valanciunas like he can play and he can help it's just like do how much does a traditional center who gets post touches help Zion Williamson um I like Jonas Valanciunas. I think he's really good. Uh, I just, the fit seems a little bit weird to me. Uh, you know, they lost in that. In, so they, they send out Lonzo. They send out Eric Bledsoe. They send out Steven Adams, as I mentioned before. Um, they also send out two firsts in these deals. And the second one of these deals is a sign-in trade to get Devontae Graham, who came in for three for 37 with uh, an option to make it a partially, excuse me, partially guaranteed fourth year, not a, not a player option. Uh, I think that price for Devontae Graham is pretty good. Um he might, like I said, he might come off the bench. Like he might be a six man type because you might need Sato and his size um, to set the table with the first unit. And then you get a little more offense with the second unit. You could obviously play Graham with the starters and he'd be good. Um, but, you know, they experiment a little bit with obviously new coaching staff, but they experiment a little bit with Zion getting the ball in his hands more. And I think you might see that. And um, either one, Sato or, or Devontae Graham is fine that way. It's just like Sadoransky is going to be a little bit better of a defender. I don't think Devontae Graham has much upside there. I think he's just going to be a bad defender always because of his size. Um, I just think the Pelicans are a little bit worse. Not like a lot worse, but I think they're a little bit worse and they weren't a playoff team last year. And even if they're a little bit better, I don't think they are... Like even if you think I'm wrong, um, if you're if you're listening and you're sending this th- that clip to Jake Madison, host of Locked On Pelicans, um, be sure to say something nice. Jake's a great fella, but like I think I think they're a little bit worse. And and if you think they're a little bit better, do you really think that they're like you know jumping up 
three spots in the standings. Like, do you think this team is going to be like better than what the Grizzlies have? And do you think they're going to be better than the Warriors have who finish in ninth? Do you think they're better than the Blazers? I don't. I don't think this is, I don't think this is a playoff team. I think this is a competitive team going to be tough to play in the regular season. I think Zion's going to make strides. Um, part of me is maybe just, I'm not a big Brandon Ingram believer. Um, Y'all know where he went to college. You can call me a hater if you want. But like this, I I kind of think the Spurs are going to drop way the hell off the map. They're not a they're not a play in team. And I think the Pelicans are kind of like a play in team fringe playoff team if things if things get right for them. So what do the Blazers stack up in the West? We finally, you know, after we've gone through all these offseason moves, this is your this is your free agency primer, but also just like a trying to figure out where the Blazers fit in this mix. I think they're worse than Utah and Phoenix. I think they're worse than a healthy Denver and a healthy Clippers team, but those teams aren't healthy right now. So let's say they're they're let's just kind of rule them out. I think the Blazers are going to be worse than than the Lakers. So that's they're definitely fourth. I think they're kind of on par with the the Mavs, but if the Mavs, you know, both teams had some health issues last year. If you assume they're sort of both like equally healthy last this this next season, like I think they're about the same level as as that. Dallas and 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 the Warriors type of team. I think there's three teams that like the Blazers just can't catch in Utah, Phoenix and the and the Lakers. I think with with depending on when uh Jamal Murray gets back, I think the Nuggets are are just straight up better than the Blazers. And the Clippers are a big question mark. So, I think the Blazers are are kind of right back where they were. This is a 5 through 9 in the West, a team that's going to have to struggle to um, avoid the plan because the plan's brutal. Get get those couple days off and avoid the plan. And I think they're like the Blazers' ceiling, if everything works out and other teams have some bad luck, is something like third in the West. It's kind of right where they were last year. This was the summer they were supposed to make big moves. And while many, many other teams in the West kind of leaned into who they were, let's run it back and, and make some some small tweaks. The Blazers did exactly that and didn't make the big leap. They didn't, they have not made the big jump yet. Still more to happen, but for right now, I think the Blazers are going to find themselves in a very, very familiar and similar position. A playoff team and a good team in a crowded West, but a team that is not competitive for a championship. In tomorrow's show, we are going to answer a big question. I am going to answer a big question that many, many, many of you have sent me uh, in tweets and in emails. You've asked, is it time to trade Damian Lillard? It's it's in the air. And what I want to do in a full episode is discuss the pros and the cons and my thoughts on whether it's time to just rip the band-aid off, whether whether the Blazers should should lean in and, and give it another give it another go this season, or whether it's time to make the big, massive structural change and trade their franchise pillar and usher in a new era. That's what we will do in tomorrow's show, so make sure you're checking back. This is the only daily Blazers podcast on the internet, so make sure you're listening every day. And make sure, specifically, you're coming back for that one, because I think you'll definitely want to listen. Also, tell your friends about this podcast, and tell them they can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. (laughs) 